0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, last week uh, we started in this sermon series called Reset, and uh, we were talking about our lives and how Uh, nice it would be to be able to reset our lives. I mean, we we understand computers and electronic devices, sometimes they need a reset, right? Because they get out of whack and they aren't working quite right, but you reset them and everything goes back the way it's supposed to and then things run smoothly. And we said it'd be nice if we had that in our lives and and actually we can reset our lives. Uh, But it's not like Staples Easy Button, you remember? You can't just push a button and everything goes back. But we said we can reset our lives uh, by looking to see what God says in his word and, and when he you know we are confronted with truth that's there we look and see what's really true and we then make a conscious decision to say, okay God, yes, I, I get that and and that's what I'm going to do, right? And and we're going and then we begin to live that out begin to be put that thinking into practice. And when we do that, we can actually reset our lives and, and you know, get things to run the way they ought to. We get to where uh, God wants us to go. And um, last week we talked about that, the hard restart, the, the really hard place to start. is right where the Apostle Paul started in his letter to the Philippians, and that's this. that the moment we receive Christ as Savior, we become Jesus' slaves. And He becomes our master. Okay? We become His slaves, He becomes our Master. And we we noted that, wow, on the face, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I don't want to be a slave. Why would I want to be a slave? But remember, we it, it I think became very clear to all of us that everybody serves someone or something, right? Everybody's serving somebody. You might be serving yourself. You might be serving somebody else. You might be serving some possession or a dream or whatever. But you're serving someone or something. And so really, a decision to receive Christ and and be his slave and to serve him is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because whether it's yourself you're serving or whether it's somebody else you're serving or whether it's something that you're serving, anything that is not Christ that you are serving will use you up and spit you out. It might look good on the front end, but underneath the surface, though, you know, serving anybody or anything but Christ will be bringing in rottenness and decay, decay, corruption under the surface to where eventually it's going to collapse and it's always going to bring you to a place where you never wanted to be and a place where the Lord didn't intend for you to be and you won't be able to glorify the Lord with your life like you could have, which is ultimately... Our purpose, And so becoming a slave of Jesus Christ and living as a faithful slave, surrender to him. It's like freedom from all of that other stuff. And, and there's no higher position you could ever have in life than being a servant of the Most High God, okay? Well, we want to continue to talk about resetting our lives. And uh, today we want to talk about the area of confidence, okay? What is the source of our confidence now confidence is really important Uh, it is an important factor in our lives we um need confidence to do what we want to do i mean just give you an example if if i really am not confident that this chair will hold me right i have no confidence that this chair is holding me i'm not going to sit in it right okay so it's the same thing in our lives. If I don't have any confidence that I can do what needs to be done or that if what I do is going to make any difference, if I don't have any confidence in that, then I'm probably not going to do it or I'm going to try to change how I'm going to do it. And so confidence is really, really important in our lives. And So this idea of confidence is this. It's, it's you know, thinking and believing that, that something is a certain way and that I can count on it being that way. And so then I can act as though that's really true. Now that sounds a lot like faith, doesn't it? Like faith. Well, it shouldn't surprise us because the, the, the word confidence comes from two parts of Latin language, and the first part is con, which implies with, and the, the second part, fidere, it it uh, communicates the idea of faith or believing. And so confidence is with faith, with believing with trust. An actual definition of confidence is up here, you see it, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something, a firm trust, the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. And we need confidence, very important to us uh, in life. If you don't have confidence, you're struggling, okay? You will be struggling, whether it's in one area or lots of areas. Now, In our society today, when we hear this idea of confidence and you need confidence, uh, what usually comes out is we're talking about self-confidence, right? Self-confidence. Well, this is what confidence means. What would self-confidence mean? Well, let's look at the definition again. If we have self-confidence, it would be the feeling or belief that one can rely on oneself, that you can depend on yourself, that you have a firm trust in yourself, Uh, That the state of feeling certain about the truth that I can take care of myself. I myself can handle these things. That is what self-confidence is. And um, I think you can see right away that we have a problem there, don't we? You know? We have a problem, Houston, right? And and that is that self-confidence ultimately undermines everything that is important in our lives. Um, <clears throat> now, usually, I'm not telling you the next time somebody says something about self-confidence, you go, oh, that's wrong, no self-confidence. No, we're not talking about that, right? I mean, we get you need to confidence, but I'm just trying to show you that if you are trusting in yourself for the things that matter most in your life, you're in for a world of hurt, okay? Because there's some realities about ourselves. When Adam, the first man, sinned, uh, he brought sin and death into the world and he passed on to us a sinful fallen nature, a nature that puts self before everything else and before everyone else and where we're going to you know, take care of number one here and even the good things that we do are done oftentimes for our own selfish motives. And so what, what happened is that sin corrupted self. And we're all born with a nature that wants to go our own way and do our own thing, whether it's good for us or not. And so this idea of self-confidence, if we're trusting in self for the things that really matter in life, at some point, self will fail us. Self will undermine us. undermine us for two reasons. One is because of the sin problem. You know, every person who was born in the world is born a sinner, Every person who receives Christ as Savior is now a forgiven sinner, but we're recovering sinners, aren't we? Sin has still affected us. Uh, We still have struggles because of it. And so because of that, there's going to be times and places when self is not going to choose what's right. It's going to choose what's wrong. And it's going to bring damage into your life and prevent you from honoring the Lord the way that you want to if you're a follower of Christ. The second uh, part of reason that, that uh, self is, is a problem is self is limited. Do you know everything there is to know? Uh, do you think you know everything you need to know? Not yet you don't, right? I mean, we don't. There's lots of things we don't know. So our knowledge is limited. Our abilities are limited. We are limited. And so when I place my confidence in myself, I have just placed my confidence in something that's limited and doesn't really can't bring to the table what I need. So self-confidence is not a good idea. Confidence, having confidence is extremely important. Self-confidence is not a good idea. And so today we want to talk about a better way, okay, a better place to find our confidence now one of the probably most self-confident men that we have ever seen in the bible as we read about it would have been the apostle paul okay because when you you look at what his life is like and he says man i had it together as far as everybody around me was concerned as far as my religion was concerned i did everything right i did everything perfect and then finally one day he realized that that wasn't enough that he had already messed up. He was already separated from God and needed a Savior. And, and so he, he um, found himself in a situation where he, uh, let me stop just a moment and interject here, a little parenthesis. When we receive Christ as Savior, we are changed forever deep down inside, right? We are, we're changed. Does that mean that automatically we become perfect people? Not at all, right? No, we start off really still messed up and we have to begin working, but God is in us and he enables us. We'll talk about some of that today. But, uh, so we're growing. But the idea is you, you still, you start from where you are. Well, the Apostle Paul started from where he was. Very, very self-confident man. Very strong in his personality and, and what he believed that he could do. Well, even after he's a Christian, God had to bring him to a place in his life where he, said, he tells the story, he says, we were in Asia and we were overwhelmed by what was going on in our lives. So many things were out of our control and these were huge things. They were life and death things. And, and we just despaired and realized that we, we weren't able to do what needed to be done. And in fact, we almost gave up. And then he says this there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Go on, and put it up. He says, we stopped relying on ourselves and to learn to rely only on God who raises the dead we stopped relying on ourselves Paul's self confidence all of a sudden took a hit and he realizes self is not the place to find my confidence and he writes more about this he starts talking about in his letter to the Philippians, how he said, Here, let me tell you, if anybody had reason to be self-confident, I did, let me tell you, here's how I live my life. I did this and this and this, and I did it this way and that way. And I, I did it like it's perfect, almost perfect. I did all this. And then he says he realized that that won't cut it. He didn't have what it takes. Even though he compared himself to others, and be better. And so he says this. He says, I used to have confidence in myself, but now he says we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. How much confidence? No confidence in human effort. So you might say, well, Walt, what? Okay, what's the deal? You're saying you know, no self-confidence and no confidence in human effort. Is, are we supposed to say, you know what? I'm just a no good. I have nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table. You know, I can't trust myself for anything good. Can't do anything. Might as well just not try. Well, is that the way God describes us in the Bible? No, how does God describe us in the Bible? God describes us as people that he made in his own image. Made very special. And yes, sin has come into the world and has affected that. We know that's been affected, but nonetheless, his image is still there. Uh, He talks about how valuable we are to him. And he proved it by sending his son to die for us, right? The Bible tells us how God knew how we were made and we were made for very specific ways for big things. And he talks in the New Testament about how he has given us gifts and abilities to serve him. So it's not that we can't do anything. It's, let me just say it to you. I can say this with confidence today, that everybody here that you are able to do whatever God leads you to do. You have the ability to do whatever God leads you to do. But that's not self-confidence, is it? This is a confidence in God and in Christ, that if he is leading me to do something, telling me to do something, telling me not to do something, that he is enabling me to do the same. My confidence is in God then, not in myself. And so we want to look in the book of Philippians today and, and look about how do we move from a self-confidence to a Christ-confidence. And that's the reset today, okay? That's the reset we're talking about. I want you to reset your confidence to Christ instead of to whatever else it may be, whether your confidence in yourself or other people or other things. I want you to hit reset and let's, we want to get our confidence in Christ. And that's where our confidence comes from. Now, it'd be nice to say, okay, well, let's just do that. Let's get our confidence from Christ instead of from ourselves. Well, there's an obstacle here. And the obstacle is this: is that God has locked away confidence in Christ. He's locked it up. You go, whoa, wait, what? what? Yeah, he's locked it up. But he's also told you what the key to opening that door is. And here it is. Surrender to Christ unlocks the door to confidence in Christ. That's how you become confident in Christ. You surrender to Christ. And that's what we're going to look at and see Paul talking about here today. By the way, you know, our tendency sometimes to say, well, I'll tell you what, let me have the confidence. And then I'll decide about the surrender. Well, God doesn't do things that way. He says, no, you surrender, and I'll give you the confidence. And so that is the order in which this has to occur. All right, so let's turn to uh, the, the Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're gonna be on page 1348 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. And if you don't have your own Bible with you today, we encourage you to, to grab one of those from under the chairs and follow along. We're starting on page 1348. So we'll start right here in chapter one and verse number, let's start in verse number three. Paul's writing to the Philippians, the Christians there, the church, and he says this. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So let's just stop right there. Paul says there's a confidence that he has. He has it about the Philippians. He, he also has it about his own life. And is confidence that the one who saved him, who started this whole Christian life thing for him, the one who saved him was going to keep him saved all the way to the end. That makes sense? The one who enabled you to see and understand you know, the truth about yourself and Christ and the gospel uh, is the same one who's working in your life and is going to keep you saved all the way to the end. Now, that's a great confidence to have because this confidence is whether, you know, no matter what else happens in my life, I know something, that when this life ends, I am going to be with the Lord in heaven. No matter how bad it gets down here, absolutely, I know I will be with the Lord in heaven. How how come? Well, here's how come. It's because you surrender to Christ for salvation. And so this is the surrender. This is the reset, okay? You you need to surrender to Christ for salvation, and that brings the confidence to you that, that Christ is the one who saved you and who will keep you saved. Great confidence in that. Now, this word salvation, if it if it's sounds like a religious word to you and you aren't really sure what it means, salvation comes from the idea of the word saved, uh, being saved. And when the Bible is using it like this, it means being saved from the penalty for our sins, the penalty for our sins that we deserved because we sinned against a holy God and we deserved to go to hell, that Christ dying for us and then us receiving you know, him as Savior, that that saves us from that penalty. It does a whole lot more than that, but it saves us from that penalty. That's what this idea of salvation means. Now, what I would like to do here as we go on today, I want to share with you how I have experienced these things that I'm talking about to you today. And whenever I decide to do this, I always have mixed feelings about it about sharing with you. I don't have a mixed feeling of sharing with you that you will know. <clears throat> my, my concern is, is I do not want in any way to come across as saying, hey, look at me. I have it together, here's how I did it. Because uh, I tell you what, there are plenty of times in my life when I'm still a mess. All right? I still got things on work, I'm still trying to figure out how to, to live out some of this stuff, okay? And God is helping me. But so I have not arrived. The Apostle Paul says something about that, which we'll see later. Um, But what I do want to share with you, my story, is because I want to show you that I've experienced what I'm telling you. It's real what I'm telling you. It's not real because I've experienced it. I've experienced it because it's real and because it's true. So, when, uh, back when I was, uh, uh, 19 years old, Back before that, when I, was, I had gone to church at a, at a Methodist church in my town, uh, grew up in it, and uh, the gospel wasn't clearly preached there, and a lot of people believed a lot of different things there. But by the time I was a junior in high school, I was the president of the youth group, okay? And then my senior year, I quit going because it seemed really irrelevant to my life. I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, and this just didn't really have a place in my life anymore. Then um, I started dating a girl who went to a church where they preached the Bible. I mean, where they really preached it, really believed it. And um, so I went and I started listening. I started hearing and understanding what they were saying. They, you know, they, they talked about the gospel. They talked about the fact that everyone has sinned against the holy God. And, and I said, yeah, I've done that. And, and then they talk about how, you know, if we don't receive Christ, And talk about back up. What Christ did for us when he, you know, he came and lived the perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rising again uh, from the dead. And in that, that way we could receive him as Christ, put our faith and trust in him to have that penalty all paid for so that we don't have to pay it, so we don't have to go to hell, so we can go to heaven. I said, man, this all makes sense. And, and, but here's the deal. I kept thinking that somehow I must be okay. I've kind of come in here. I can slip in here. I can, yeah. I I believe this and and act on it, right? And, and act like I had it. And and I kept letting it slide. And finally, on April the fourth, nineteen seventy-five, and I have just happen to remember that because I wrote it down at that time. F- Friday night, about ten o'clock at night. I was trying to pray, I was trying to talk to God, I was trying to figure out how can I do what's right, how can I live like a Christian, and all of a sudden it just became so clear to me that I had never received Christ as Savior. I would never finally said, okay, me. And so I stopped right then and I remember, I said, okay, Father, I know that I'm not saved. I know that I've never received Christ and right now, I put my faith in Jesus. I I receive Christ as my Savior. But here I am trying to go along. I've never had this good work actually begun in my life. So not having that good work begun in my life, you know what I always worried about? I worried about what's going to happen at the end of my life. I didn't have that confidence. But from that time, that moment when I received Christ as Savior, that night, I can tell you that I have never, ever doubted or wondered if I had a relationship with Christ ever since. And that's his doing. But here's the deal, see? The fact that I received Christ as Savior, now what Paul says is going on. He began this good work in me. He's doing this good work in me. And he's going to continue this good work into me till the very end, whenever that is. Does that make sense? But here's the deal. I cannot have that confidence that, you know, when if I die, I'm going to heaven to be with the Lord. I don't have the confidence that, that he's in my life and working and going to keep me all the way to the end if I do not first surrender to Christ for salvation. You must surrender to the Lord and say, I need a Savior, please be my Savior. You must come to that point or you will never have the confidence. That you need. And how, what a wonderful thing it is to know that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, no matter how dark life becomes, man, when this life's over, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. What great confidence. Well, let's continue. Let's go down to uh, verse number 12 of chapter 1. Paul says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, remember, Paul is sitting in jail when he's writing this. He's in jail because he has been preaching the gospel. And they said, you can't do that. They throw him in jail. He's actually looking at the possibility of being put to death because he's been serving Christ. So let me read that again. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, this idea of being in jail, facing the death penalty, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. This is a good thing. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Everybody here knows why I am in prison and they are learning about Christ because of it. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So as they've seen me go through this and they've seen how I've gone through this, and they've become bolder and they're preaching Christ now. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. So let's just stop right there. I read this, and I hear Paul saying, okay, look, yeah, Christ is being preached out there, but understand, some of those people who are preaching Christ are doing it for the wrong motives. They're thinking, oh, we never liked this Paul guy anyway. Ha, ha, he's finally in jail. Let's take advantage of this and build ourselves up. We have ambitions, and, and they're thinking, yeah, see how Paul likes this. Now, if I was sitting in jail because I've been faithful to Christ. And somebody outside now is acting like they're faithful to Christ, but I know they're only doing it to poke me. I'm gonna be cranked. Wouldn't you be cranked? How can you do that? What, I'm gonna be upset. You guys are looking at me like it's only me, like something's wrong with me. You, a lot of you would feel the same way, right? Cranked about that, this isn't right. Paul's attitude. Look in the next verse. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Somehow, Paul was able to have a different perspective on what was going on than what we might naturally have. Well, here's the deal here's the surrender. Surrender to serve Christ wholeheartedly. The way Paul did, right? I'm serving you Christ. If I go to jail for it, I'm serving you. If I die, I'm I'm serving you. If you let me continue living, I'm serving you. I'm serving you wholeheartedly. And what's the confidence that comes from that? The confidence then comes that God will use all of your problems for his good purposes. Paul's confident in that, isn't he? Hey, I'm serving Christ wholeheartedly. And so, any problems that, that God allows to happen, I know He's at work in them. I know He's using them. I know He has good purposes in them. Whatever these problems are, I know that. What a confidence that is. Because if you don't have that, when those big problems come in life and you're overwhelmed, you will lose confidence. And you'll also say, What's the point? Why should I even try? Blah, 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 blah. But what a difference it makes when you know, wow, God is at work. God has good purpose that he's accomplishing, even in these bad problems. But it only comes, that kind of confidence only comes as a result of your surrender to Christ, to serve him wholeheartedly. The surrender must come first. And I remember, um, I was probably 21 years old. I'd come to Christ when I was 19. I was 21, and I'm I'm sitting early in the morning at uh, my parents' house and looking out the back window across the lake. The sun was coming up, I was talking to the Lord. And somehow or other, he just put it in my heart, burdened me, and and I I realized what I need to do. And so I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I will serve you with my life however you want me to. I will serve you wherever you want me to. I will serve you whenever you want me to. I will serve you, right? I'm giving this. I will serve you. Now, haven't always been perfect in that, but that was a genuine and sincere commitment on my part. And I got to tell you, that has enabled me that some of the darkest times in my life, things that have happened to me along the way, to know that God is at work even in those things. But the surrender has to happen first or you will not have that confidence, okay? All right, let's go over to chapter two. <clears throat> verse 12. He's just gotten through talking about Jesus and what Jesus did in his example for us. And then verse 12, he says, "'Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, "'not as in my presence only, "'but now much more in my absence,' Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, let me just clear something up here real quick. Um, And and that is when he says, work out your own salvation. He isn't meaning figure out how to save yourself. He isn't saying, yeah, you're lost and on your way to hell. Go ahead and you work it out for yourself. (laughs) He's not saying that. When you receive Christ as Savior, where does he all of a sudden come to live? Out here somewhere? No, he comes to live in here. Where am I forgiven? Deep down inside. The the change happens way down inside, doesn't it? Deep down inside, your spirit, your, your soul, way down in there. That's where you're saved. And what Paul is saying here is what God has done deep down inside, you need to work out into your life. Okay, now, it doesn't just stay inside, it should come out and, and should be worked out into your life. And, and he tells them how should they do that. He says, well, you've always obeyed in the past. Keep obeying now because that's how you work this out into your life. Okay, God has saved me and now I'm going to work it out. So what does he say? He says, to do this. Okay, so I do that. What am I doing? I'm, I'm working this out into my life. He says, okay, let's don't do that anymore. So I, I stop doing that. That's working it out into my life. And so we work this out into our lives by obeying. And then, do you think that could seem like an awfully big task? When you think about your life and everything that needs to happen, everything you need to do and everything you need to not do and and all the things you need to understand and trying to get this out into your life, that's an overwhelming task. So Paul tells them, it's not just you working. It's not just you. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He is working in you. And so here is the surrender. The surrender, he's talking about obeying here. The surrender is to obey Christ in everything. Now, we surrender to obey him in everything. I know we don't always do it, but the surrender is sincere, and then we keep working on it and keep doing our best to do it. But you surrender to Christ to obey him in everything. And here's the confidence that comes. The confidence comes is that you know that God is actively working in you as you're working to obey. You're not in this alone. God is there encouraging you, showing you, prompting you, sustaining you sometimes. He's at work in you as you're trying to live for him. Now, Let me tell you about a time in my life when this became very real to me. Uh, Part of this whole surrender in my life was this surrender to obey the Lord. Lord, I want to obey you. I want to live your way, right? I want to live by your word. I want to be obedient to you. Uh, A sincere commitment in my life. Um, There was a time a number of years ago that um, I had opened up my heart and my life to uh, a friend another man, and we talked, and I talked about some of the struggles that I was experiencing as a father with my kids and trying to, you know, figure out, I, I talked about how the Lord is working and, and things were headed in the good and right direction, but it was just a burden. You know what it's like, right, to have a burden? And you you know, face up try to do then I shared this with him. And then I got word just a few days later this man had taken that information which I had shared with him personally and taken it and taken it to other people and used it against me. Taken things from my family and used it to hurt. And I'm, I'm really a pretty easygoing guy. I'm not a hateful kind of person. I'm pretty quick to forgive. But I wanna tell you, that day, I hated this man. I hated him. I couldn't believe what he had done to me and to my family. And, and I struggling because as a Christian, I've committed, Lord, I want to obey you, I want to live your way. And what does God say to do when people do those kinds of things to you? What's he tell you to do? Forgive them the way God forgave you. I didn't want to forgive this man. But I knew if I didn't forgive him, who's going to get hurt? Not him, me. I, it's going to put me in a place where I can't even uh, do what God wants me to do. I'm not going to be obeying him. It's going to be a bad deal. But I struggled with that. I struggled. And I remember at this time, the pews were still in here. And I came in here. I think it was a Wednesday. And I was in here, and I just was walking around, talking to God, and struggling with, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I'm going to do this. And it may seem silly to you and like a small thing, but for me it was huge. It took me three or four hours. And I finally said, okay, God. Okay. and I forgave this man didn't make what he did right didn't fix it but I forgave him set me free it really set me free but here, what I want you to understand the confidence was I had surrendered to obey the Lord in my life and I meant it and now I'm struggling guess what God was right there with me in the middle of the struggle say so come on Walt well, Look at this. Understand this. Come on, you can do this. Do what's right. If I'd have been in it alone, I'd still be hating that man. I probably wouldn't be here right now. But now I wish God's best on this man. But what confidence that is. But you don't get that kind of confidence that God is with me and he's working in me and he's trying to help me to do what I'm supposed to do. If you don't first surrender to say, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I, I'm going to obey you. The surrender comes first. Well, we're going to move through here fairly quickly on these next ones because of time. Let's go to chapter 3. Look at verse number 12. Start there. Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm headed for big things, for what Christ has for me. And then verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. And I haven't arrived here, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am going for it, right? I, I want to do what God has given me to do. I, I, God has called me and, and, and saved me and and." Directed me to accomplish his purposes. And and by his grace, that's what I'm going to do. Here's the problem. We make this the commitment we ought to. The problem is, we don't know everything we need to know, do we? You know everything you need to know, you think? Anybody here have any blind spots? Well, I was thinking about it. I said, well, of course I don't have any blind spots. If I had any blind spots, I'd know it. No, wait a minute. Doesn't work that way, does it? We have blind spots, things that we don't realize, things we don't see. And so here we are, we want to surrender ourselves to accomplishing God's purposes like Paul is here. If we will surrender, make that surrender, surrender your heart to accomplishing God's purposes. Look in verse 15. He says, therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Think like this, yeah, go for it. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Man, is that good news? So here's my confidence. Back up. If I don't have this surrender, but I say, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to try to do what God wants to do. I'm going to try. But you know, man, what if, what if I'm missing something here? What if there's something I don't understand? What's, what's going to blindside me next week? What's go- oh, no. But no, no. When I... And when you surrender yourself to accomplishing God's purpose, you can have this confidence that whatever you need to know, God will make sure you know. And if you're missing something and you need to know it, God's going to bring it to your attention. He's going to show you those blind spots. You can have confidence in that. He's going to show it to you at the right time and in the right way. But isn't that good to know? I, I I'm freed up. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to have all the details figured out. God will show me what I need to know when I need to know it. But that confidence does not come unless you first surrender to say, I want to accomplish your purposes, Lord. I commit, I surrender myself to accomplish your purposes. Now I have confidence he's going to do this in my life. Well, just real quick, Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul talks about, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's not just a verse that exists in a vacuum out there. It's a verse where he just got through saying, hey, look, man, I, I've had to do without and serving Christ. Christ has enabled me to do that. I've had, when I had lots, and Christ enabled me to do that. Whatever condition I'm in, I've learned that I can do what Christ has given me to do. You know why? Because I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. But so we see, what was his surrender his surrender was to a life of devotion to christ whatever it is whether good bad ugly and whatever whatever it is i'm going to serve christ and when i do that i now have this confidence that he will strengthen me to do it he'll give me the strength i need to do it And sometimes you most of the time you need his strength the deepest darkest times when you're the most exhausted he will give you the strength that you need. And I wish I had time to tell you some stories about that. Then at the end of, uh, toward the end of chapter four, he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is going to supply your need. And you go, cool, God is going to supply everything I need. But once again, that verse doesn't exist in a vacuum. He's just got through talking to the flippant. He said, you know what? He says, you guys have done really well because you've, Over time, you've consistently sent support to me. You have sent finances to me to enable me to keep doing what I am doing. And even this time, he says, you sent your pastor with with, uh, things that I needed and it was such a blessing and God was honored. You Philippians have committed your resources to serving the Lord. And you know what? Just like you've been faithful and God has used you to meet my needs, guess what? God is going to meet your needs. And so here's the surrender. The surrender is surrendering all of your resources for the work of Christ. God, whatever you trust in me, whatever you put in my hands and give me control over, it is available to you to use as you see fit. We'll give whatever, do whatever. And when you do that, that's when you get the confidence that God will meet your needs. You be confident. Glenda and I Settled this in our lives years ago when we hadn't like virtually nothing and and barely make ends meet. We decided our resources are God's and we wanna do whatever he leads us to do, giving or using our possessions, our house, whatever. We settled that and, and God has absolutely met every need. And more. Talk to Pastor Dave and Debbie about their lives and about how they learned this. Amazing stories. But you only have that confidence that God is going to meet all your needs when you first surrender yourself to him in these things. So, surrendering to Christ is what unlocks the door to confidence in Christ. And so that's the challenge for you today, to reset the source of your confidence to Christ. Turn away from self, other people, things. Don't put your confidence in them. Put your confidence in Christ and and you gain that confidence from Him by surrendering to Him. So let's bow our heads today. First and most important surrender is receiving Christ as Savior. if you've never really nailed that down, if you're kind of like me, maybe you slip in and out, you know, and you've never really settled that, and you're trying to be part when you really haven't received Christ as Savior and nailed it down. If that's where you're at today, let me encourage you, you need to receive Christ as Savior. Do it now. Without anybody looking around here, so is anybody today would, just, just for me so I can pray for you, would, would say, you know what, that's me, I need to do that. Nobody else look around me. Would you just lift your hand? Yes, that's me. I need to do that. I need to settle this issue in my life once and for all. All right, thank you. Father, we come to you now and thank you that you provide us with this awesome, amazing confidence in you that frees us. Lord, help us to remember that it's, that, that comes to us when we surrender to you, when we yield ourselves to you, our lives to you. Help us to make those big surrenders. Even here today, Father, for for us to say to you, okay, I am yours, I surrender myself to you, I belong to you. Whatever surrender needs to happen, Father, whether it's that big area, whether it's some smaller area, I pray, Father, that each of us here will, will say yes to you today in that and surrender to you and that we would gain the confidence from you that only comes through surrender to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being so attentive. And as always, if we can help you to talk to you about any of these things and help you figure out how it works in your life, we'd love to do that. You're dismissed.